the battle of the archangel Michael and the angels against the dragon in heaven, the windows are quite modern, brilliant colors, contemporary images both in the artwork and the content. If you haven't studied them yet, I'll be happy to give you a tour. In the upper windows, Michael and the other angels are sort of fierce, bulging muscles, brilliant blue eyes and brown skin. Acknowledgement that when the windows were made, All Saints was as brown as it was white. The dragon is all jewel tones. You would almost call him beautiful until you see his face. A look of sorrow compromised by a snarling mouth on a face as serpentine as it is human. I point out all these things to visitors all the time, and then I point to the three bottom windows, and I show visitors how the windows reflect the state of the world once Satan was pushed down out of heaven and into, onto the earth. A single mother struggling on her own. A black man in the center hanging on two street signs marked bigotry and greed, a contemporary crucifix. And then the third window, people looking up, hoping for a new heaven and a new earth. I show these windows off all the time. I drag visitors over here whenever they come. I'm unduly proud of these windows and God forgive me, a little bit smug at how forward thinking, how progressive we are at All Saints to be honest about the world's problems in windows that are now nearly 50 years old, how we're honest about how sin and evil manifest themselves in the world today, in racism and poverty, neglect of the most vulnerable. So I'm always eager to share these windows with newcomers and visitors, yet after I show them off, I find myself sort of trailing off when I get to the bottom windows. I find myself growing a little uncomfortable. After all, just why is St. Michael patron of our church, of so many churches? I mean, why do we celebrate St. Michael when what he has done is conquered the dragon in heaven only to force him down to earth where we are, struggling? struggling with Satan, or if you are of a more metaphorical mindset, with evil and sin. Our windows testify to that evil, and on any given Sunday, we can name the evil that prowls the earth. Certainly, we could point to the ongoing Syrian refugee crisis, the terrible stampeding death of over 700 people last week during the Hajj, a suicide bombing at a mosque as people worshipped. Here in Indianapolis this past weekend, five people shot, three killed. That's just a sampling. And I could do that any given week of the year. And I don't think I need to go any further to demonstrate that we are always living with evil in our midst. So though I know there is something mythic and magnificent about this battle in heaven, 
the victory of Michael and all the angels over the powers and the principalities that rebel against God, it can be hard to celebrate when we live with the results on earth. Before the Reformation, there were many feasts of angels in the church. But after the Reformation, just one day was kept, this day, for St. Michael, and then lumped together with him all the other angels too. It's curious that the Reformers kept this feast day, but of course, angels permeate the Bible the angel who wrestled with Jacob, all the seraphim, the six-winged angels who praise God unceasingly while covering and uncovering their eyes, singing holy, holy, holy. The angel Gabriel who appeared to Mary, the angels who ministered to Jesus in the desert, desert in the garden and who showed up at the empty tomb, the angel who freed St. Peter from prison. Angels are everywhere in the Bible, and these spirit beings have a few purposes. They're supposed to defend us, and they're supposed to praise God. But their main purpose is to act as messengers from God. The words for angel in Greek and Latin, angelos and angelus, just mean messenger. Angels are to con connect heaven to earth and us to God. And that's what we see in Genesis today. Jacob is on the run, fleeing his brother Esau, who plans to kill him because Jacob tricked Esau into giving away his birthright. Jacob ends up in a nowhere place, exhausted, not sure where he's going next, and with nothing but a rock for his pillow, he goes to sleep. And while asleep, he dreams of a stairway to heaven where angels ascend and descend all night long. And God speaks to Jacob, promising that God is with Jacob wherever he goes. Upon waking, Jacob exclaims, surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. This is none other than the house of God. In other words, angels ascending and descending, connecting heaven and earth, us to God, promising that Jacob, that we are not left alone here on earth. This story of angels ascending and descending is the very one referenced in the gospel today, too, when Jesus meets Nathanael, the one who had scoffed earlier about Jesus. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Yet when Nathanael meets Jesus, he immediately recognizes him as the Son of God, and Jesus tells Nathanael he will see great things, angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. In other words, God is in this place right now. Just as Jacob realized that God could be found even on the run, even in the middle of nowhere, that the house of God can be no more than a rock in the desert. Now Jesus is teaching that God is found here among us in the shape 
of Jesus who comes from a lowly town, nothing special. Yet just as God chose to visit Jacob in the desert, God chooses to visit us in the form of a human. Just as angels have been the messengers connecting heaven and earth, now Jesus, son of man, is the sight of the divine, and he connects heaven and earth. So, what does all of that have to do with St. Michael, the great warrior who pushed the dragon, Satan, evil, down onto earth where refugees flee their homelands and people are crushed and killed during worship? Lives are cut short by bullets and each of us here struggles in our own way with evil and sin. Well, St. Michael promises us that the victory already has been won. We need not fear that sin and evil will have the final word. And we can be comforted today by stories of angels ascending and descending, for they tell us that God is not distant from us, but is here, is here in this place. God is with us wherever we are as we struggle, even when we're on the run. And who has God sent us in our mighty struggles with the evil one who now prowls around the earth? Well, Jesus. The mighty archangel Michael conquers Satan, pushes him down among us, and the humble Jesus from nowhere Nazareth was sent to be with us so that we need not face that evil alone. So here is why we keep this feast. We celebrate the victory in heaven over Satan. And we remember that our friends, the angels, bring us good news from God. We are not alone down here. God has made a home among us, a home among humans in the person of Jesus. And finally, on this day, we celebrate not only what has been done, but we also look forward to what will be done when we are gathered up in God's new creation, the new heaven, the new earth, which is depicted on our new frontal investments, the, in the heavenly city that we see there, where we will see God face to face. All battles will be over. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. And in that city, no refugees, no suicide bombers, no guns, no bigotry or greed. In that city, the street signs will only ever read justice and mercy.